May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be ever right in your sight, O Lord, our Savior and Redeemer. Amen. Have a seat, everyone. You know, I have a problem, and my problem is money. I often think and act like I don't have enough, enough money or enough possessions. And I come by it honestly. We live in a culture that regularly tells us that we don't have enough. Commercials, billboards, online ads, they all promise if we only buy the product that they're selling, whether it's toothpaste, a new laptop, or a better car, then we'll be complete. Our life will be filled. Our culture connects consumption with satisfaction, possessions with happiness, and material wealth with the good life. And I'm here to tell you that the Beatles had it right. Money can't buy you love. Okay? Our gospel reading begins when a man asks Jesus to settle a financial dispute between brothers. And Jesus uses the situation to tell a parable about the seduction of wealth. And the message isn't easy for a modern mind to grasp especially people who live in the West, because we have so much, we just don't understand how much we have. And if you're wondering why the rich farmer is called a fool, it's probably because of that North American or Western bias that we have. And you're not alone. The farmer, he has a thriving business. His land's produced a bumper crop. He doesn't have enough storage space, of course, because he, his land produced so much, his barns aren't big enough. So what he decides to do is tear down the old barns, which were probably perfectly good barns, and build bigger barns. And then he'll be able to set up enough, uh, enough of his crop aside for the future. Now, we've got to remember, the, the farmer didn't gain his wealth illegally. He hasn't taken advantage of others in, in this parable. There's nothing, nothing about that. And he doesn't seem particularly greedy. He even appears surprised by his good fortune. And and what he does is what might, to a North American eye, make a reasonable plan to deal with an abundant harvest. Isn't saving for the future what we're told to strive for all the time in ads with financial planners and parents and the government? The rich rich farmer would probably make a good financial planner for that matter. And he seems to have things figured out. He worked hard, saved wisely. Now he can sit back and enjoy the fruits of his labor, right? Well, not exactly. Because the farmer isn't right with God. First, the farmer ignores God and believes that his wealth can secure his future. Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. Second, the farmer ignores his neighbor and only focuses on himself. What should I do? I have no place to store my crops. I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store my grains and my goods for my future. God calls the farmer a fool because he's looking for infinite value in finite things. 
He puts wealth where God needs to be. And that's the message from Paul's letter to the Colossians. Like, these things lead to idolatry. If you have wealth where God needs to be, that's an idol. Wealth can't protect that rich man from his fate. Wealth is not enough for the end which comes and which for the farmer is going to be that very night. No amount of wealth can replace God. Jesus says repeatedly in the Bible that wealth can get in the way of our relationship with God. And in the gospel, Jesus warns us to be on our guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. Now, the farmer's problem isn't that he's wealthy. It's not that he, he's acquired this, this great harvest, or that he's rich, or that he wants to plan. The farmer's problem is that his good fortune has curved his vision away from God so that everything he sees starts and ends with himself. That's the problem. That's the, that's, that's the difficulty with wealth, among other things that Paul talks about in his letter. And it's not that God's against us for saving for retirement. God is not against eating, drinking, and uh, being merry. And we know from the Gospels that Jesus spent a lot of time with his friends eating, drinking, and being merry. God wants us to enjoy what God gives us. But God also wants us to know where our true security lays. My challenge, and you may share this challenge or you may not, but my challenge is that I have two things competing in my brain. A belief that money can't buy me what I really need, and a secret wish that money would give me what I want. Okay? They're incompatible. That's the challenge. How do you reconcile that? And that competition in my head, it scares me sometimes, but it also gives me hope. What's scary is that I identify a little too closely with that wealthy farmer. After all, he's not a cheat or a thief or particularly greedy. He's just worked hard and he's done well in life and he's wealthy. His mistake in the end doesn't have to do with being wealthy. His problem is believing that his wealth can secure his future and that his wealth can make him independent of God and of his neighbor. I identify with the rich fool when I catch myself thinking, if I just had a little bit more in my retirement account, or if I could just pay off the mortgage, or if I have enough saved up for my next vehicle so I don't have to take out a loan, or if I had, well, you fill in the blanks, right? If I had, if I had, then everything would be okay. The appeal of money in our life is that it creates the illusion of independence and can so easily be placed where God needs to be. Our culture speaks about money and possessions as if they tempt us to forget our need for God and others, and it encourages us to escape the everyday vulnerabilities and needs of our mortal life. We're ultimately created beings, and we're always dependent on others, and particularly on God, the Creator. We're not, we're not able to exist fully without our Creator. Our lives and our possessions 
are not our own. They belong to the Creator, and we look after them for the time that God has given us here on earth. And we rebel against this reality, this truth, when we want to be in charge of our lives and our stuff and, and don't consider God and our neighbor in that equation. And as crazy as it seems, I find hope in this. I find good news. And the good news is that when all that we are and all that we have belongs to God, our future is secure beyond all measure. Jesus tells us later in Luke that it's God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And here's where I get hopeful, really hopeful. I honestly don't think that I'm all alone in this struggle to be a faithful steward rather than a rich fool. And in the end, the Beatles were right. Money can't buy us love or dignity, self-worth, hope, or acceptance. And we need to remember that and to live it. So what should we do? We read the rest of what Jesus says across the Gospels and it becomes clear. Prioritize and work on our relationships. Relationships with each other and our relationship with God. They can't really be separated. And throughout the Gospel, Jesus invites us to think more broadly about who we imagine to be our neighbor. And he preaches sermons that praises caring for the poor, loving our enemies, and doing good for those in need. And that's part of seeking the kingdom of God. We don't really get to choose who our neighbor is. Our neighbors are all those other people, all those other believers that are in the kingdom with us. Wealth can do a lot of wonderful things. It can provide for you and your family. It can be given to others in need. It can be used to create jobs and help society. And it can make possible a more comfortable life. It just can't produce that full and abundant life that each of us seeks and that Jesus promises. Not on its own. We need God and we need other people. In the end, it's not about wealth. It's our attitude towards wealth and how it fits in the relationships we need to build with God and other people. Money can't buy you love or happiness. Or really, if we're honest, anything important really important in life. Be rich with God and remember the Beatles' advice. Money can't buy you love. Amen.